As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. And welcome to On Farm. It's Anna here, and I'm really pleased to join you. Um, apologies if there's a bit of an echo. I'm out and about on the road today visiting clients, which means that I'm recording this for Dave, our producer, from my car. So interesting to see how it sounds, but hopefully nice and clear anyway. Um, we have got something a bit different for you this week. Um, not that long ago, I was an interviewee on a podcast. I'd never done that before, surprisingly. Um, I'm just used to interviewing people and being the nosy one asking the questions. But I was a guest on another Scottish farming podcast called The Agriculture Show, which is one of a whole stable of programmes created for the Scottish Government's Farm Advisory Service, or FAS for short. As you will know, On Farm is all about flying the flag for rural life and rural business. And of course, that includes shouting about rural podcasts. So what we thought we'd do is play out the chat that I had in full and also put links to the Farm Advisory Service podcasts in the description for this episode. So um, now I'll just hand over to FAS Sounds Agriculture host Mary Jane Laurie. If you do enjoy the chat, please do go over and give their podcasts a listen to. You are listening to Agriculture, a podcast that interviews a range of inspirational people from the farming community with a whole host of interesting tales to tell. Join us in conversation to find out what drives them and their businesses, where they get their inspiration from and what they love about agriculture. I'm Mary Jane Laurie and I'm joined today by Anna Davies of Seen and Heard PR and host of the On Farm podcast. Anna provided us with a really interesting insight into her working life and ways that all farming businesses can focus on telling positive farming stories. Hi Anna, thanks for joining us today. Hi, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a bit about your background? Did you grow up on a farm? Um, no, I didn't. I grew up actually in um, southeast of England, um, about 30 miles outside of London. My dad worked in the city, so it wasn't quite the suburbs, but it was, you know, close enough to London. I wouldn't have wanted to be any closer anyway. But um, on both sides of my family, my mum and my dad's side, they have kind of farming in their history and in their blood. And so I'd always loved farming and the outdoors and the countryside. And we used to spend almost every single holiday, school holiday up in Scotland on family farms. And so that's kind of where my love of, of farming came from. So, so in a way, I suppose that you can say it's kind of in the blood 
So how have you ended up, because you live, live on a farm now in East Lothian, how did you end up um, going from that sort of city lifestyle to, to where you are now? Yeah, so well, I moved to Edinburgh to go to university and had a brilliant time. Love, I love Edinburgh. It's just such an amazing city. So graduated from university, went traveling for a while, came back to Edinburgh because it just seems to have this kind of magnetism and then started working. So I worked for a while for Scottish Field magazine and then I was having a conversation with somebody and they said, because I I enjoyed that job, but I knew it wasn't my kind of forever career. Um, And I was having a conversation with somebody and they said, you know, if you could, if you could do whatever you wanted to do, um, what would you do? And I said, oh, I'd like to work for some sort of rural or farming organization. um, And I'd like to, to work in PR. And didn't really think anything more about that conversation until literally less than a fortnight later, I was looking in, presumably the Scotsman, although I can't remember now, and I saw this job advertised and it was uh, working in the communications team at NFU Scotland. And I thought, aha, that's kind of reminiscent of the conversation I just recently had about a job that I'd love to do. So I applied and got the job um, and everything else has stemmed from there, really. Um, So I worked for a number of years in the comms team there, and I was thinking at the time, I was thinking, you know, that um, NFU Scotland did a great job, does a great job, um, but its remit is not really public relations. Um, and at the time I was thinking, I think there's there's a need here for somebody that can tell the story of farming to uh, a wider audience or even to, to audiences within agriculture um, and do a, a, a PR job. And, and nobody was really doing that. So that idea just kind of bubbled below the surface for a while. Um, and then I, I moved on from NFU Scotland. You know, it's time for my career to, to develop. And I went to work for um, Scotland Food and Drink, um, again, in, in comms and marketing. And thoroughly enjoyed doing that too. It, it was, um, I'll maybe talk more about that later, but it, you know, it was a great organization to work for. But, but I think this, this idea that I'd had that, that there was a gap there that somebody needed to help some of these rural farming businesses with their PR, like that idea never went away. And I don't really like being told what to do. So the idea of being my own boss um, was appealing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of where Seen and Heard started. I thought, yeah, I'd like to be the master of my own destiny. I'd like to, obviously, I need to earn a living, um, but I'd like to help all of these farm businesses that are trying to reach out to people and don't necessarily have the PR and the marketing skills that they might want or might need. Um, and so, yeah, that gem of an idea then developed into what is now seen and heard. It took me forever to come up with the name. Um, I thought, <laughs> it's brilliant, though. It's very uh, clever. Oh, thank you. I, I thought, you know, um, PR and marketing is meant to be about creativity. And if I just called myself Anna Davis Public Relations, that's not exactly very creative. So I wanted to come up with something that was memorable. Um, took me a long time. Um, and in the end, it was just a chance comment by a friend of mine um, that kind of got that idea there for the name. But um, yeah, chose that name. And then the rest, that was in 2009. Um, and so uh, it feels like yesterday in many ways. But yeah, the rest is kind of history, I suppose. 
did it feel like quite a big leap to be leaving you know paid employment where you've you know you've got a guaranteed income every month or did you sort of do it gradually how did you set it up I was lucky I was really lucky um yeah I spoke to my boss at the time and explained that um you know this this was my intention and I suppose he could easily have said well I'm sorry but that doesn't really fit with with our goals um but actually he was great about it and um I ended up working three days a week at Scotland Food and Drink and two days a week um self-employed um initially with Seen and Heard I was a sole trader it was just it was just me um and so that balance worked really well and it meant that I could still have that guaranteed income whilst also building up the business and it was three years after that that um, Monty who's now co-director of Seen and Heard he joined and I went full-time into Seen and Heard um, at that same time as well so so I suppose no it maybe if I'd sat down and really thought about it it might have been daunting but because I was able to do it in a staged way and because I was just so determined that it was what I was going to end up doing uh, you know I didn't I didn't feel scared actually so how did you come to be on a, a farm in East Lothian? Your husband's a farmer, is that right? That's right, yes. So um, I, didn't, I didn't actually meet him directly through working for NFU Scotland, but it was mutual friends who introduced us. Um, and those mutual friends had to have a connection with, with NFUS and obviously with farming. Um, so, um, yeah, so I guess I, I probably wouldn't have met him if I hadn't started that role at NFU Scotland either because it was that mutual friend who who introduced us. So, um, yeah, I love, again, I feel really lucky because I, I love the, the buzz and the vibrancy of Edinburgh and other cities. And I love the countryside and rural Scotland. And so feel really lucky that we live, you know, 40 minutes from Edinburgh uh, in East Lothian and I kind of get to have the best of both worlds. I think I might struggle if I was um, further away from from the city that I love but it's, it's a brilliant balance as far as I'm concerned yeah I'm in a similar situation I'm just outside Edinburgh as well on a family farm and yeah you, we can be in the centre of Edinburgh in half an hour um, but still feel rural-ish not yes. completely rural to me because I'm from the borders where uh, it was very quiet um, <laughs> but it's, this is a good balance for me and yeah it's nice to be able to go into the city and things isn't it and still it get is you feel lucky you feel lucky I, I feel lucky both socially and professionally that um, you know I get to to enjoy the delights of Edinburgh but actually also you know the, whether we like it or not that a lot of of meet face-to-face meetings and conferences are kind of Edinburgh area or certainly in the central belt and so again um, I feel lucky that you don't have to spend hours and hours in the car traveling to to these things which you know if you were um, at the further reaches of Scotland it would be it would be more challenging anyway. Yeah absolutely so what's a typical day like for you then are you involved in the farm business or do you just solely focus on your seen and heard work? Uh, Well kind of yes and no Um, you know, my knowledge of the farming sector is strong, but my knowledge of the intricacies of farming is less strong. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how to operate a sprayer. Um, you know, I, I'm not au fait with uh, growing oilseed rape, for example. You know, um, these intricacies is not my thing. So, it's not therefore I don't think it's not my place to to interfere and get involved. So, my husband takes care of all of the traditional farming I sometimes I'm sure um, well I know sometimes I give him my opinion or I (laughs) share something that I might have picked up or that I've spoken to somebody about Um, but he can choose to to use or ignore that 
that advice or that opinion as he sees fit because it's him running the business, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have a farm diversification, which I run. So um, I'm actually sitting in it at the moment. It's a, an old steading which was falling into disrepair. It's It wasn't... Um, useful for modern day farming machinery um, and we wanted to, needed to find a, a profitable use for it so we converted it the idea started in 2018 and then we got the spade in the ground after the first lockdown um, we converted this old setting into uh, an, a business hub so it's called Wheatrig business hub and it's a mixture of long-term rentals so we've got tenants who you know who are going to be here for the next five years but we've also got one room um which i'm in at the moment which is a co-working space so people come they they'll rent a desk for the day come along do their work um perhaps you know have a chat to other people working here um, and then go home again. And it's it's been really useful, I think, for people who are fed up of working from home or struggling to concentrate. Um, one man who comes here, um, he spent the whole of lockdown working in his car using oh, 4G wow. on his mobile phone because his wife was using the office in their house. And so um, for him, it was a revelation to come here and have a comfy chair to sit on and Wi-Fi and tea and coffee on tap. Um, so it's a real mixture of, of people. And, and as long as there's space, um, I sit in here as well because it's it's designed to be an office and therefore I find it easier to, to be productive in here than I do in the office in our house, which is, you know, yeah, it's great, but it's not designed to be an office. In, in here, it's light, it's airy. You know, we've got all the facilities we need. Um, and actually, I'm sitting inside at the moment in a um, it's kind of like a phone booth, effectively, um, but with a chair and a desk. And it's it's useful because people can come in here and have private calls. So they might be in a shared co-working space, but they can come in here if they need to have a, a private call. So um, it's perfect for recording podcasts. I guess starting work sort of during lockdown and COVID times must have been a bit daunting thinking because at that time we didn't really know what was going to happen with with the way people worked after you know COVID was over and obviously we're still not completely through it yet but I think if anything you sort of hit the nail on the head there people are just way more flexible about how they're working and the poor man that had to work in his car that just sounds awful for the whole of lockdown so by offering a flexible space for people that are now find themselves a lot of companies are just making people work from home all the time but lots of people obviously as you say work better in a communal space with people to interact with even if it's not in the same industry that they're in I guess you're providing that and and COVID has kind of given an opportunity for for people to look for these alternatives Oh, it has definitely. And it is, it's great. You know, I spend my working life interacting with people who work in rural business because that's what I do. Um, but here, you know, we've got um, health and safety consultant, a mortgage broker, um, somebody who works for a, a chartered surveyors, um, a real mixture of people. And, you know, we don't chat all the time. We, we get on with our work. But, you know, sometimes you'll just have a natter with somebody and it's meeting different people. And, so, and I enjoy it. And I'm, I'm fairly convinced that they enjoy it, too. And um, it has meant that even though they might, some of them come maybe two days a week here and work from home the rest of the time or whatever. So it provides that um, change of scene, I think. Um, and I'm 
it was we we did think you know when lockdown hit we had this conversation uh, my husband and I and we thought what what have we done we we're just building office spaces and nobody's ever going to want to work in an office ever again yeah. um, and actually our original plan for the building had been just long term rental we hadn't considered the co-working or some people call it hot desking that wasn't really on the radar but after the lockdown started to ease I got so many inquiries from people saying, oh, do you have hot desking spaces? And the first couple I said, oh, no, really sorry, we don't. And then after they, the inquiries kept coming in, I said to Willie, I said, I think I think we should have co-working desks because that seems to be what people want. Yeah. Um, and so far, um, yeah, so far it has it has worked out that, um, yeah, people just want that um, extra um option of going somewhere else because it can be uh, the occasional day working from home is fine but five days a week can be challenging it's easy to get distracted or the dogs bark or somebody comes to the door or even you might just start to feel a bit lonely so um it's yeah in the end that we pivoted as a result of the pandemic and touch wood it's it's paid off I think it just seems that like you've you've been flexible to what people need and want, and and, and that's a sign of a, a successful business, isn't it? Being able to adapt, and none of us could predict COVID, but um, being able to adapt to to the, those challenges, it sounds like you're you're doing that well. So yeah. going back to Seen and Heard, then, what are you trying to achieve with the businesses that you work with? What's your sort of aim for Seen and Heard? Um, this kind of makes me laugh, actually. This question because. Um, what I really should be trying to achieve is is um, to make a decent living for myself, and that <laughs> that is obviously a key objective. Um, and I would be stupid if it wasn't. Um, but I, I do sometimes forget that and, and get carried away um, with the other objective, which is um, that I just really believe that that businesses, rural and food and drink businesses, because that's what we specialise in, um, throughout Scotland um, deserve to be heard and to be seen. I know that sounds really cheesy, but that's the name of the business. You know, they deserve to have their stories told. And some of them are fantastic at telling those stories themselves. But others uh, maybe aren't. And that might be because they don't have the skills. It might be because they don't have the time. It might be because they're scared of social media. You know, many people are. Um, so what we try to do in a variety of different ways is to get stories, positive stories out there about all of the wonderful businesses that are, are making rural Scotland amazing. So it might be that we, we're just building a website. I can't reveal too much at the moment. We're just building a website for a business up, up north. And um, you know, it gives me goosebumps because the business is just so beautiful. And what they produce is so beautiful. And we're producing a website that's beautiful. And, and it gives you a great sense of satisfaction that you're able to help this business to provide um, an outlet to get all of its amazing messages and products out there. Um, so we try and do it that way. We also try and do it through our podcast. You know, this is kind of weird for me because I've never been interviewed on a podcast before. <laughs> I'm used to like do. I'm used to being the nosy one and asking the questions. Um, but so, so we have a weekly podcast that goes out, and its sole aim really is to to raise awareness of 
stories that need to be told. So they might be stories about equine grass sickness, which we've covered. And we had Princess Anne on that podcast. That was amazing, actually. Um, or it might be stories about individual people who've got great um, businesses or great histories that that, that they can tell. Um, so the podcast is is a really, really important tool to get, get lovely um, or important stories out there. Um, and then... Um, you know, realistically, not every business can afford to bring in a PR and marketing agency to do things for them. Yeah. Um, so what we've also created uh, more recently is online training, um, a platform called the On Farm Academy. Um, so if, for example, you know, you're petrified of Instagram, but you feel like you really need to master it in order to um for it to form part of your PR strategy. Um, you know, we have a course on on Instagram for beginners. Um, so we've got a whole range of different courses. That they're, they're, they're bite-sized. You can do them in 45 minutes. And the, the point is that you can, people who do them can upskill either themselves or they can perhaps get members of their team to do the course and upskill them, uh, but in an affordable way. And gosh, we don't have a crystal ball, but... Um, you know, we created the on-farm academy last year, and now you know we are in a situation where where money is really going to become tight for individuals and for businesses. And um, yeah, some of them won't be able to afford our services in a bespoke way. Uh, but hopefully, these training courses on the on-farm academy can go some way towards giving people um, uh, some some skills that they might need to be able to um, keep their businesses thriving despite the challenges that, that are ahead of us. So you talked there about primarily the businesses you work with, um, sort of food and drink businesses, rural businesses, which I'm guessing sort of like diversification projects and all sorts of different things. Do you think um, sort of a traditional farm that was maybe no additional diversification or specific food products, do you think we should all be focusing on on PR of our farming business um, at the moment? Uh, largely, I think we should, yes. Um, we do have some clients um who don't have other than perhaps you know a holiday cottage or a or some sort of small diversification arm um we do have some businesses who are are purely farming um and they tend to be the businesses that recognize or, or look at the big picture so one in particular um i'm fairly sure he's not going to mind if i mention him so um rory christie who runs the dury farming company down um in dumfries and galloway um we we work with him we built a new website for him we help him when he's looking to recruit new members of the team um and you know anything else that he might need in terms of kind of awareness raising and and i suppose his reasoning in working with us is that um, he wants to employ the very best people. And if, if somebody's interested in working for him, the first thing that they'll do these days is to, sit, to say to themselves, right, well, I wonder if I want to learn more about Rory Christie and I want to learn more about the Dury Farming Company and see if it would be a good place to work. What can I learn about them? So they'll probably look for a website. Yeah. They'll look to see what presence they have on social media. And I would guess that if they couldn't find those things, they would be a bit disappointed and think, well, actually, you know, I, I can't give myself enough information here. I don't know quite what I'm letting myself in for. And also, um, you know, if they're younger people, um, 
I think they have maybe have a bit less respect for a business that doesn't have some sort of online presence. Um, so the point of, in this case, in Rory's case, the point of a website and an active social media presence is so that, um, you know, graduates and other people um, are aware of his business so that when the time comes that he's recruiting or the time comes that they're looking for a job, um, they can create a suitable match between employer and employee and drive the business forward in that way. Likewise, you know, he's selling milk to Lactalis. Um, they, you know, they want to um, to know um, who it is they're dealing with. They might want to have, have customers who want to know where the milk comes from. Um, and all of that online presence is kind of beneficial to Rory, but also to a range of, of other people. And I think um, many farm businesses with or without diversification arms um, could benefit from just being a bit more out there, a bit more open. Here we are. This is who we are. This is what we do. And um, you know, this is why we we do what we do. And this is why we want consumers to engage with us. So, yeah, I think not everybody's going to agree with me. And that's just life. But I think that every farmer has a responsibility to tell a positive story about agriculture because every farmer has customers who are basically end consumers every farmer is feeding feeding the nation and that nation wants to know more about where their food and drink comes from and i think if if farmers want consumers to support them then they need to also to 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 tell the positive stories and as far as possible to be to be open and say yeah this is this is what we do you know not everybody's going to like Rory Christie and the Dury Farming Company because some people don't drink milk. Some people don't believe in drinking milk. So, you know, not everybody's going to love you and what you do, but I think you need to be open for the people who who do want to learn more and do want to understand and do want to, to hear your story. I think there's that fear though, isn't it? That if you put yourself out there and explain this is my farm and it's a dairy industry, that you might get some, some hit back from members of the public. I guess that's maybe one of the reasons some farmers are holding back from, from putting themselves out there because they don't feel comfortable or that they're maybe not going to tell their story in, in, in the right way, which I guess is where you guys come in. Yes, I, I think that's true. I think there is a, there is a fear out there. Um, I think that can be combated in a number of ways. Uh, um, you know, whether it is, is media training and giving people confidence so that they know that the content that they're putting out there on social media is, is the right kind of content. Although arguably there isn't really the wrong kind of content in some ways, you know, you've, you can, if, if it's your business, you can say what, what you like about it and it's up to other people to love it or hate it um but yeah i think confidence is a thing and, and a fear of backlash but i've i've in my experience i've found that 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 anticipated backlash is re- very rare i can't i can only think of how long have i been doing this job too long but um i can only think of one occasion where there was, you know, some some nasty backlash, and again, I, I don't want to give away any confidences, but the story had a happy ending because the the it was a customer that complained about a business, and in the end, it was the other customers who jumped to the to the defence of this business um, because they were so loyal and they loved it so much. So actually, even something that initially seemed like some a, a negative uh, story ended up having a happy ending so this the, the negativity is rare and can either be responded to in a very um 
cool, calm and collected way or it, it can be ignored. Um, so um, I think I, I, largely I think the fear is unfounded, but at the same time I understand why people have that fear because they feel exposed by by maybe telling people too much about their, their farming business. So what has been your, your favourite farming story that you've worked on? Um, I, I actually don't have one, I don't think. Um, not one that I can can identify. I get, sometimes you'd think it would be the, the bigger things that would give me satisfaction, but actually I think I get most satisfaction and most enjoy working with the smaller businesses um, helping them to bring something to life. So it might be, um, and I'm gosh, I'm not the clever person that does everything in our business. We've got seven clever people in our business doing a whole range of things. But John, who's our designer, when I'm working with him, with a client and seeing him develop, you know, say a beautiful branding for a brand new business that gives them goosebumps and give, gives them the foundation in being able to, to start and launch and grow their business. Um, that gives me gives me enormous pleasure. Likewise, a small business who's perhaps, you know, always wanted to be featured in the Scotsman. I don't know, you know, um, again, you know, if you, if you achieve that, it's, it's, it's massive. You know, we, we did do a campaign for a butcher, a butcher's business um, a few years ago. And, it just went crazy. You know, it was all over Lorraine Kelly and all sorts of other places. It just went absolutely nuts. And it was very satisfying. I don't get me wrong. Um, but um, sometimes it's the small wins that give you as much of a, a boost as the, the bigger wins. I liked, I just like to see businesses achieving what they want to achieve. And that might be more customers through the door. It might be... Um, you know, a, a more engagement on their social media. It could be a website or, you know, the whole host of different things. Um, and I just like to see these businesses um, being able to achieve what they want to achieve um, with a little bit of help from us. So do you think looking at the agricultural industry as a as a journalist and a, a marketing specialist, do you think that gives you a different viewpoint than those that are directly involved in the farm business? Because you're sort of looking from the outside in a bit, aren't you? Yeah, I think probably a little. Sometimes, sometimes I I do cringe. Though this is this was somebody down in England who's to blame for this. Um, but I heard somebody from the English NFU on the Jeremy Vine show on Radio Two, and I wanted to get in my car and go to his house and <laughs> stick masking tape over his mouth because what he was saying was just awful. He was doing nothing but moan and I know that things are really tough in every sector but I know that things are tough in farming I know that each sector's got its own challenges and I know that the the, the ro- things are not always rosy but all of this guy did for 10 minutes on the radio was moan 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 and I thought to myself well, if I'm thinking that what you know members of the public listening to Jeremy Fine they're thinking the same thing too. They're thinking these guys, these farmers, all they ever do is moan. Um, and I think there's a place for constructive criticism. And I think um, uh, you know the, the right kind of lobbying and the right kind of engagement with politicians or whomever else is is critical. But I think when it comes to um, farmers speaking to the general public, um, I do think that or even farming in 
organizations speaking to the general public. I do think that we need to um, reframe things a little and talk about the positives and talk about how grateful we are to the consumers who are buying British produce instead of produce that's been flown halfway across the world and um, talk about um, the positive aspects of um, dairy farming or the positive aspects of um, any sector. You know, I I think we do need to reframe it a little. And I guess that's where I, I have my one step back and I sometimes I can look at it and think, the farming voice can come across too negatively. Um, I mean, this is a generalization, obviously, but because um, there are many people who are, are hugely positive in a brilliant way. Um, but but generally speaking, um, farming can sometimes slip into that negative voice. And I think we need to flip that. We all need to flip that round and, and yes, try and achieve what we need to achieve, but um, also talk about the positives. I think I think at the moment as well, particularly with all the uncertainties that we've got globally, and then even just in in the UK with you know Brexit and and we've had a tremendous harvest in the southeast of Scotland. We've had a, a brilliant summer, but I know they've been mm-hmm. hit hard with wet weather in the west. And there, there's there's a lot of uncertainty and, and factors out with our control. And and as you say, as farmers, when you're trying to work in a business where your input costs are out of your control, with the your, your selling price is out with your control, the weather's out with your control, it is difficult to, to to find the positives but I think I think you're quite right trying trying to find the positives and sell that as a as a story is, is important mm. what, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing Scottish farmers at the moment um well I think I think there are many in the political sphere but I have a personal policy um both in my social life and work that I just don't discuss politics. Um, I'm not interested in it, to be fair. Um, Plenty (laughs) of other people are. Plenty of other people do it really well. Um, So I'm not going to mention any political challenges. I think um, other other challenges... um, Technology, technology, maybe I don't know. Maybe this is controversial, but um, you know we see a lot of stuff, and, and there was a huge amount of amazing coverage of the Agbot, um, you know, robotic tractor at the Highland Show. And technology is is a wonderful thing, and there are many people doing brilliant things with technology. Um, but the farming sector is going to have to to keep up, and I don't just mean in terms of driverless tractors. I mean in terms of um, social media. That's digital. I mean in terms of of actually you know podcasting your podcast is amazing our podcast i hope is is as good but there are two actually too few farmers who have embraced podcasting technology and i think they could benefit a huge amount from doing so they not only could they listen to you and i um but they could listen to to hundreds of very relevant and very informative podcasts and they could benefit um the irony i think um of that is that this slightly older generation, they're the ones that really love the radio and they're the ones that would really love podcasting, but they haven't embraced the technology. So if you are listening and you know somebody who you think would love a podcast, please just get their phone and show them how to do it. This has become a real kind of um, bee in my bonnet um, that I really would like more farmers to embrace technology. And as I say, that's broad speak, broadly speaking. I don't just mean 
the AgBot, but I mean digital um, technology for um, their own benefit. So that might be social media because that, that social media has its has its problems, yes, but at the same time, it can help to combat isolation in certain senses. Um, and uh, podcasting, likewise, you know, you, you not only can you learn something, but you can, um, y- again, you can um, listen to things that are interesting and that you enjoy. And um, I think um, if we can get the whole sector to to embrace some of these technologies and digital tools, um, then they'll benefit perhaps in ways that they didn't know they could. You know, f- for example, I, I've got worked with a, with a chap um, who runs this amazing business. Um, it's a combination of farm security and you know livestock cameras. So you know you can. It might be lambing time and before you get out of bed, you just have a quick look on your mobile phone and you can see the camera in the lambing shed and you can see what's what and you can monitor what's going on. That's actually saving lives in in the livestock sense. It's making that farmer's life easier and um, that's all based on technology. Likewise, you know, um, we've because we have this office hub on our farm, we installed CCTV. So again, um, we feel more secure. Our diesel is less likely to get stolen or whatever else might be. Um, technology is helping our business. And so I think that's actually a challenge. As I said, I've, I've quite slyly avoided any discussion on politics, but I think that is a challenge that that we have. We all have the power to do something about. I think that's why I avoid pol- politics because it kind of falls out with the locus of, con- of control and I'm much more interested in focusing on things that I can change. So, um, yeah, please embrace technology. And if, if you're listening to this podcast, you've already embraced technology, perhaps, but perhaps you can help somebody else who hasn't yet. I think the the thing about listening to podcasts is so true. A lot of the farmers that I go and see, you know, they've still got the old phone with the with the big buttons on it. You know, they don't have a smartphone, and and I guess that is a barrier to to uptake because a they don't know how to work the smartphone. Mm-hmm. B if they had one, it's expensive. Or C they'll probably break it. You know, because <laughs> you know working in a physical environment, the screens often get smashed. But yeah. but you're right. Loads of them are sitting in tractors or pickups or or whatever for hours. Um, you know, plowing for twelve hours a day listening to the radio and there's only so many times you can hear the same hits over again or or whatever it is they're they're listening to and it's just it 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 breaks up the day and as you say it gives them that opportunity to to learn something and feel connected and and you know not just focusing on on farming podcasts either there's so many other things that they can oh totally yes Uh, it could be comedy it could be anything and i'm not suggesting that uh, our podcasts are the only ones worth listening to there are there are so many and and my husband says that actually he feels as though it's kind of wasting time if he's sitting in a tractor listening to the radio and obviously it's not wasting time because his tractor is hard at work as is he um but he says you know if, if i can learn something and listen to a podcast at the same time as driving a tractor then i actually he i think he gets a greater sense of satisfaction and achievement at the end of the day to having kind of learned something he gets teased by his friends for being a fountain of useless knowledge but and he <laughs> says he got all of that from um from listening to things in the tractor and um i think i think it's it's great certainly on long journeys um it, it's really good he's probably very good in a pub quiz though as well oh, which he, everyone he, always yeah yes everybody wants him on their pub quiz team yeah <laughs> So uh, going back to your on-farm podcast, you did a series of podcasts um, with Go Rural as well, hi- highlighting sort of diversified 
farms and, and uh, I know they're doing a bit of a campaign I've heard it on the local radio recently about uh, offering farms days uh, competitions and things do you think that's a way that Scottish agriculture needs to move or do you think it's just people um, finding a, a different direction for their business um, yes we did you know and actually I don't quite know how it happened but Monty managed to get his uh, his hands on that series of podcasts which means that I didn't get to go out and visit these amazing businesses he he did as did our producer Dave and a couple of other uh, producers but um, but I've listened to them obviously and, and some of the businesses on them I know anyway um, and I think it's yeah I think it's fantastic I think um, we want it all comes back to what I was saying before I think ultimately about um, getting the positive stories out there we all want people from urban areas to go out and stay on farms visit farms learn about farms learn what lambing's all about learn about the life cycle of, of an arable crop you know there's so much um, interesting stuff and you, you could just hear on those podcasts the voices of the kids that were interviewed and how much they were enjoying it um, I'm also trustee of, of RET for a Highland Education Trust and when I've been on farm visits with them you know you see you just see the joy and the excitement on these kids faces so it's brilliant in terms of sort of educating the next generation and members of the public but I think it's also crucial um, for for many farm businesses um i get that that perhaps for for some people it's not appealing to have a, a tourism angle to their business they may feel as though that it's not for them but i think for so many people um it's a great use of a number of things i think it's a great use of perhaps buildings that might otherwise not have a purpose it's a great use of skills that that the farmer or the members of the farmer's family might have that they don't otherwise use, you know, people skills, um, uh, teaching skills, you know, all a lot of these come into play when it comes to, to agritourism. And it's great to see people using those skills in that way as well. Um, so I don't think everybody has to embrace it. Um, depends on your geography as well I think a lot and and whether you're in an area that um, is accessible and appealing to people Um, but I definitely think it's it's a fantastic initiative I think Caroline and the team at Go Rural are doing a brilliant job and I think um, I think it's a fantastic it's one of a suite of fantastic tools to to get these positive stories out there and again that's that's what I'm always banging on about is positive stories. (laughs) Absolutely. So what drives you personally? Why do you do what you do? Um, gosh, I suppose a, f- a few things. Um, weird- weirdly, I'm quite money orientated. And yet, as I mentioned, hinted at the beginning, this job is not making me rich. Um, but no, seriously, um, I get a lot of satisfaction from creating something so um it might be that i work with john our designer and we create a brand and a website for a client it might be that i'm creating in a more kind of um in in the written word and i might be creating a a story um that's then we have it in print somewhere and we can see that or i might be creating a blog that goes on somebody's website or creating a suite of social media posts so that kind of keeps me going i like to to see the fruits of my labor i suppose and so so when you've done something like that you get that kind of buzz, buzz of adrenaline um i i cannot stand being idle um and um 
and I can't stand other people being idle as well, actually, which sometimes causes arguments in my household. Um, <laughs> but um, so I've got, I've got to be busy all the time. So I, um, I've got to have another, uh, there's always a kind of project on the go. If it's not a, a work project, it's a personal project because um, I just like to keep busy and, and get things done. And then I suppose ultimately... The reason why, uh, and it's not just me, it's it's Monty and the other Seen and Heard team members because they are equally as important in the business as I am. But ultimately what drives us is a love of rural Scotland and a desire to see it thrive and desire to help in whatever way we can, big or small, um, to get to that. Um, I say end goal. It's never really an end goal. It's, it's a permanent goal because there are always new businesses coming along and uh, other businesses evolving. So it's not like you can get to a goal of, of a, you know, rural Scotland reaching a certain point of, of thriving. But it's just it's just an on an ongoing thing that that gives us all drive and and satisfaction as well. So finally, Anna, what inspires you about Scottish agriculture? I think probably, oh gosh, like I love, who doesn't love a beautiful s- scene or a cute lamb and, you know, all of that stuff, the obvious stuff, you know, um, seeing something growing in the fields, um, that that's kind of the obvious stuff. But I suppose it has to be, what inspires me most has to be the people Um you know, from and more so since we started doing our podcast, I suppose that that's even more highlighted. You know, um, the people that I talk to, um, and you know, they could be any generation. We've talked to people in their nineties for the podcast, and I tell you that sometimes is challenging from a technological point of view. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. But we've talked to people in their nineties and older, and we've talked to kids for the podcast, and. They've all got their own uh, perspective and their own viewpoint and their own passion, and it's those it's those people. Um, you know, we also do a lot of work with the young farmers clubs, and and it's all of the people, men, women, children of all ages. It's those people that keep rural Scotland going, and who I suppose also hold the key to its future. So it's got to be about. Um, I think we all have a responsibility to keep driving those people forward and giving them, helping to give them a reason to to do what they do. Um, because at the same time, they give us a reason to do to do what we do. Thank you so much for your time today, Anna. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it, and it's nice not asking the questions for once and just answering <laughs> them. <laughs> So there we are, just for a change. We were very pleased to share and promote to you uh, the FAS Sounds Agriculture podcast with excellent host Mary-Jane Laurie. Agriculture is, as we said, just one of several different shows under the FAS Sounds banner. They all have uh, a rural slant to them. So they have rural roundup, stock talk, crop cast, crofting matters and several others too, all part of the uh, Scottish Government's Farm Advisory Service. So it's well worth diving in there and... Uh, obviously, we don't want to listen, you to listen instead of listening to On Farm, but um, you might wish to listen to some of them as well as listening to On Farm. So you can find them at www.fas.scot and the link will also be in the episode description. So thank you for listening. Um, ho- I hope you enjoyed and goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.